So, so um, just a great team. I, when, we, when we moved down here last year, we were like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. The setup and the teardown and the kids' rooms and everybody just working so hard and giving so much to serve so many people. The thing about our church and Team One down here is, is that if they don't show up, there's no church to be had. Like, we just, we'll just watch a movie. And while that would be fun for me personally, um, I would rather meet with you on a Sunday morning. And so, so I'm so grateful for this team. And here's the deal. It is absolutely and incredibly rewarding and fulfilling to be a part of one of these teams. Yeah. Like, there's something that happens when you get in a community of people, you start meeting and making friendships, and you're able to, to do something that's beyond you. You get to serve people. You get to do things that you wouldn't be able to do on your own. Like, it'd be fun to put you in Biggs, our elementary class, all by yourself, but, but you wouldn't survive it. So... <laughs> So you can do so much more when you're with a group of people. You accomplish more. I mean, it's exponential what happens. So I have a question for you this morning. Do you have a place in your life where that happens for you? Do you have a place where you're able to, to meet a bunch of people, to really build some friendships? Do you have a place that you're able to accomplish a whole bunch of stuff and find fulfillment as you release the gifts that God has put inside of you? Well, <laughs> if you don't, I've got an opportunity for you. In your, in your seats right there, in those cup holders, you're going to find a card. And we've got it up here, actually, on the screen, too. You've got a card. It's the Team One card. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to take it out for a second. And you'll see it's a little different. Because what we've got today is we have, we have a challenge today. We need 19 positions filled today. Is that right? 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, 19. I do good at math. So, so we have 19 positions that we need filled today. Because one of the things that we want is we want to make sure that you're taken care of. We want to make sure that, that the church is taken care of. We want to make sure that people on the team are well taken care of. We want to make sure that people have the ability to serve a week and be off a week and serve a week and be off a week so they don't get overworked and overrun. What's happening right now in some of our teams is that's not happening because there's not enough family members taking some of the chores and doing some of the work. And so I just want to encourage you to think, to pray, to look at those needs right there. Those are the areas where we need help. Four people in tinies with those cute, little, wonderful babies. They don't even poo or pee. They don't. It's amazing. It's like it's the anointing of the Lord. They just shut up and then they go home. <laughs> All right, I might have oversold that a little bit. <laughs> Two people in Lil's, uh, two people in Biggs, um, check-in needs some help. Coffee needs people. We need to drink coffee when we come in on Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> sign runners, people to set up signs. Listen, you would not believe the stories of people who have come into the church because they drove by and like, oh, there's a sign right there. And they came into church and their life was transformed because of the people, Dennis and Josh and people like that who put those signs out every week. Um, and then, of course, media, pro presenter, um, audio, lighting. I mean, we just have some things that we need help with. And so could you be the answer to one of those slots today? Would you think about it? Would you pray about it? Would you take even the first 30 seconds of the message? I don't mind much. And, and just and fill it out and say, yeah, I could do one of those. I'm a part of the family here. This is my family. I'm not just going to take up space. I'm not just a consumer. I'm going to contribute to this family. I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to do some chores. I'm going to help. And it's more than chores, man, because I'm talking about discipling children. I'm talking about making opportunity for people to come to Jesus. So yada, yada, yada. Okay, I sold pretty hard. All right, so... So um, I want the teams here to be healthy and strong, and I think that you're an answer to it. 
and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not concerned about, I don't feel bad. I used to feel bad. Oh, asking people to come and help serve. I, I'm over that. Because you know what I realized? It's so much better for you than it is for me. <laughs> so much more happens for you than it even does for all of us. So um, pray about it. Think about it. Sign it away. Pick one of those areas. Choose it on the front there and drop it in the offering boxes on your way out and get ready for an incredibly fulfilling experience. All right. Thank you. That's all I got about that. Um, Let's take a second and um, let's pray over this message and let's dive in. You ready? All right, I am, so uh, you yeah. can catch up. Yeah, yeah, ready, go. <laughs> it's not rhetorical. That's, all right. <laughs> yeah, ready. Um, all right, Heavenly Father, you are good and we love you. Lord Jesus, we give our lives to you. Lord, we thank you for showing up here and the work that you're already doing in people's lives, and I pray that you would do work today in my life, in their lives, and that you would have your way in our midst. Teach us, train us, help us, God, as we continue on in this series today to do the things that you want us to. Call us, God, and change us and transform us by your word. We love you, and we thank you for all of these things, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? As we get started here this morning, I've got a couple things that I want to ask you to do. I've got some instructions for you. I'm going to give you a list of about 10 instructions, and I want you to just follow these instructions in your head, follow along with me, all right? Are you ready? ready. It's kind of like a test. <laughs> oh, man, come on. All right, so, so there's going to be about 10 of them, and the first one is, is that I don't want you to talk during these instructions, all right? No talking during the instructions. I know that's hard for some of you, but, but no talking during the instructions, all right? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I ain't ready. <laughs> No, I guess, yeah, I guess that was a test. You failed, David. Um, all right, here we go. I want you to pick a number between 1 and 10. Got it? All right. Now I want you to multiply that number by 9. Multiply it by 9. I'll give some of you time because you're like me and you need a little more time with that. Okay? You got it? All right. Now, if it's two numbers that you have, I want you to add them together to make one number. Right? So if you ended up with multiple digits there, I want you to add those two together to make one number. All right? You got it? Okay. I want you to subtract five from that number. Take the number that you had, subtract five from that number. Now I want you to assign, I want you to assign a letter to that number. So if it's a one, you've got A. If it's two, you've got B. If it's three, you've got C. Four is D, and so on, so on, so on. All right? You got it? Are you with me so far? Okay. Um, let's see, now, now you've got your number. I want you to think of a country that starts with that letter. Again, I'll give you a little more time on that. I, say, oh, I don't think there is one. Um, all right, you got it? Got it? Most of you got it? Okay. Um, now, I want you to think of the second letter of that country. So whatever the country is that you chose, think of the second letter of that particular country. Second letter in the spelling of that word, all right? Now, I want you to think of a mammal that starts with that letter. An animal, okay? Think of a mammal. should be a mammal. A mammal that starts with the second letter of that word that you picked, all right? Are you with me? You got one? Everybody got one? Uh, that one was pretty insecure. Anybody got one? <laughs> all right, do your best, okay? All right? And lastly, uh, I want you to think of the color of that animal. Think of the color of that animal. You got it? Okay. Now by a show of hands, how many of you are thinking of a gray elephant from Denmark? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Leave them, put them back up again. Put them, so now turn around and look. Turn around and look. Just not, not just a few. Turn around and look. Keep your hands up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, if you didn't have that, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so sometimes I think that in this faith journey that we're all on, that this happens to us sometimes. Like you get a whole bunch of instructions, like things are happening, or God is speaking, or, or you're hearing a guy like me preach at you, and, and, and you're hearing all these things, and you're not exactly sure what to do with them, because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, well, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet, or I don't know if I'm ready to give that part up yet, or I don't know if I'm, I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm ready to move on with this. The instructions sound crazy. But then at some point, at some point, as you obey, as you surrender, as you keep going forward, it clicks. It makes sense. (gasps) That's what he was doing. That's what was going on. But sometimes we miss it because we're not willing to surrender to the process. We're not willing to give it all over. We're not willing to trust through all the craziness to get to the point that he eventually wants us to bring to. I think that happens probably to many of us and maybe more of us than we'd like to admit. We're in this series, and we're calling it Open Your Eyes, and we're camping out in Isaiah chapter 58. And I want to read it to you again, uh, really the whole chapter. I want to read this big chunk to you today because I think it's really important for where we're going. So get your, get your ears on, and let's get ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. All right. The three of you, hang with me. Here we go. Isaiah 58, 1 in the message version. Shout, a full-throated shout. Hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're a nation of right-living people, law-abiding, God-honoring. They ask me, what's the right thing to do? And they love having me on their side. But they also complain, why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves? You don't even notice. Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting a fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless to the poor, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be, a well, you'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring. You can't have enough gurgling. A gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Make the community livable again. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage... If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says 
so. This is going to be a really important passage for us over the next several weeks together. I, I heard this interesting thing. I read it this past week. A little statistic that said that, that every year, 7,000 churches close. 7,000 churches shut down. And in fact, I read another survey that said, uh, another stat that said that it could be up to 8,000 to 10,000 churches close down every year. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that sad? It's incredibly sad that that happens. But what it made me do is it made me ask a question, and it's kind of been bugging me throughout the week. <laughs> what if one chapel closed? What if it shut down? Now, before you get nervous, I'm not making any announcements here today. All right? <laughs> okay. They really do need team members. Um, No, uh, far from it. I mean, I, I, One Chapel is healthy, and we got our issues, but we're healthy, uh, we're growing, we're, we're, not, we're not stopping, we're not shutting down, we're not even slowing down currently. But what would happen? What, what would happen if, if we were forced to close down? Would anybody notice? Like, would we be missed? Would we be missed in this area? Or, or are we more like a country club <laughs> where we would miss it, you and I would miss it, I like this church. I think that this is actually becoming, it is and is becoming a pretty amazing church. But, so we'd miss coming. We'd miss being here on Sunday. We'd miss opportunities to serve. But would anybody else really miss us? Would anybody in this region miss us? Would, would the people in Plum Creek, would they miss us? Would the people in Kensington Trails, where I live, would they miss us? Would they know that we were gone? Would the people in Buda miss us? Would the people down in San Marcos miss us? Would anybody miss us? Would Evo be happy that we're gone? <laughs> or would they miss us? It's been bugging me over this past week. Another way to ask it, I guess, is what, what difference would it make? Last week we talked about how we, we seemingly reduced the gospel down to, to this very selfish thing, down to, down to the forgiveness, the personal forgiveness of sins for me. We kind of treat uh, this with a, a beam-me-up theology, beam-me-up Scotty theology, where uh, we've kind of, we said, well, this uh, life is hard. Things are difficult here. And so just like Star Trek, I just need to get out of here. So beam me up, Jesus, get me out of here. I can't wait to escape this place. It's kind of, we kind of reduce the gospel down to uh, a personal get out of hell free card for me. And that's really all it's become for many of us. And that's important. Salvation is important. Of course, it's the first step. I mean, it's a big deal, but I think it's become all about me. What, what can I get out of this? What's in it for me? But if, if our beliefs are reduced down to salvation and the forgiveness of sins, if that's all that God is interested in doing, then we're going to miss out on so much. There's this whole idea of the kingdom of God and all that he wants to do here on the earth right now where we are. Last week, I offended many of you by standing here and cutting some pages out of the Bible, cutting little sections out of the Bible. That, and I think that's what we've done. We've essentially reduced some of it. We've taken out some of the things that we are uncomfortable with, stuff about poverty and injustice and the poor, and we've ripped that out. We've kept all the parts that are about me, just for me. It makes me feel good, everything that I can get out of this. We've removed about 2,000 of those verses, by the way, and stripped them and kept all the stuff that's good for me. But the kingdom of God that Jesus came to preach and to, to, to demonstrate, not just to preach, but to demonstrate, it's intended to change and to challenge the fallen world that we live in right here, right now, today. And regular and ordinary people like you and like me, we have access to that kingdom. We can live in that kingdom. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, to teach them how to pray, he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, he said, when you pray, you say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
The kingdom of God is not something that's just for the future, someday, long from now, or even up close to now. It's intended to change the world now. The kingdom of God is the means to actually redeem the world that we live in now. To make what's up there come down here. To make what's up there come down here. Tim Keller, a pastor and author that I really enjoy, he said, Revelation 21 and 22 make it clear. The ultimate purpose of redemption is not to escape the material world, but to renew it. God's purpose is not only saving individuals, but also inaugurating a new world based on justice, peace, and love, not power, strife, and selfishness. Yes, it requires first that we repent of our sins and we surrender everything to Jesus. We know that this world, it's not going to be perfect. We get that. That's not going to happen. This is not heaven. In fact, if you've read to the end of the Bible, you know that things are going to tend to get a little bit worse before they get better. But knowing all of this, Jesus still says, go into all the world and demonstrate the kingdom of God that's in our lives. And you do that by lifting up the poor and the marginalized, by challenging injustice wherever you find it, by rejecting the worldly values that are found within every culture, and by loving your neighbors as you love yourself. Check this out. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. There's so much more that God has for all of us. So much more than just coming in on a Sunday and sitting in a seat and getting my batteries recharged so I can go and make it through another week. So much more that God wants to do with you. There's more than getting your life healed. There's more than you being set free. And while those things are amazing and wonderful and good and they should happen, there is a whole broken world out here that God wants to reach. And nobody else is coming but you. (laughs) A little quiet there. Go back to Isaiah 58, 6 through 7. It says, this is the kind of fast I am after. Break the chains of injustice. Get rid of exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. It's God's heart. This is God's heart. The oppressed and the marginalized and the poor and the down and out. This is the heart of God, and his heart breaks over the conditions of these people in our world. And something amazing happens. The scripture says something amazing happens when we run after all those things that are on God's heart. It's amazing. There are incredible benefits to us. We read a whole bunch of them. But too many times, I think we just get it mixed up, and that becomes what we're most interested in. I just want the benefits. I just want this to be for me. I want to get all the stuff. The problem is we make it all about me. Let me just take care of me. But the scripture says when you do that, you're going to miss out because God's attention is on the least of these. That's who he looks at. And God says, you take care of the least of these, and then I'll take care of you. Look, everybody, nothing we do to love God means anything unless we love our neighbors as ourselves. John said it like this in 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has, so cannot love God whom he has, let me try that again. Does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So what about us? What about you? What about me? In Revelation, Jesus speaks to seven different churches and he tells them, this is what you're doing really well and this is what you're not doing very well. 
What do you think Jesus would say to one chapel, Kyle? What would he say to us if we were having that conversation today? There's a scripture that I can't get away from. Um, and if you've gone through Catalyst, if you've been through Catalyst 1, you know this because it's the first one that you memorize. Anybody know what it is? Thank you, Mike Nelson. You just made Catalyst effective. Okay, so I'm kidding. There's great stories coming out of Catalyst. <laughs> it was real quiet in there for a second, though. Um, 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. If you're a Christ follower, this is what we do. We walk like Jesus did. Did you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever take any, like a, Pastor Russ was telling me about this, that they took like a coin flip bike ride through their neighborhood. So they'd all get on their bikes and they'd start going down the neighborhood and they'd ride down a street until it came to a dead end and there was a decision to make. And then they'd pick out a coin and they'd flip it Take the quarter, flip it, and they heads or tails. If it was heads, they go left. If it was tails, they go right. And so they just let the quarter decide. Wherever, they, wherever it would take them, that's where they went. And the rule was you had to follow the quarter. You had to do what it says. I mean, you know what it's like, right? You do it too. We watch it in sports games. You'll see it on the NFL on the coin flip. You'll see it and the teams are deciding who's going to receive first. Right? You know how that works. You've done it a lot of times too. Some of you do it in your relationships. You got like, you're dating and you're trying to figure out, uh, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I want you to be happy. So I don't know. Let's flip for it. Here we go. Heads. Oh, you win. <laughs> it's wonderful. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. I'm not going to hang up. You didn't hang up either. Right? Yeah. some pastorly advice. Stop it. <laughs> Decide. But you understand the coin flip because there have been circumstances and situations in your life where you flip the coin and you decide it. And the coin wins, right? You do what the coin says. It reminds me of this idea that came out in the 90s, right? And it was based on, it was based on, people, on things that John Wesley would say. Or it was based even on things that Charles Spurgeon had said through the years. And this idea, this, this youth group came up. I think her name was Janet or Janice. And she came up with this idea that she was trying to get her youth group to understand this principle. And she said, what would Jesus do? WWJD. It became a very popular bracelet in the 90s until everybody got super mad and stopped wearing them anymore. What would Jesus do? This is really what we're supposed to do. This is the kind of life that he's calling us to. Every time you come to an intersection in your life, every time you have a moment, a point of decision, you stop and you ask, what would Jesus do in this scenario? And you obey and do what that is. In fact, I don't even like it. I don't even like WWJD that much. I like much better saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this situation? At every point, at every intersection, Jesus, what do you want me to do? So I think the bracelet should be J-W-D-Y-W-M-T-D. That's what it should be. <laughs> I'm going to make it and we're all going to be rich. Because that's what's most important. Whoever claims to live in him must walk, must, must live, must make decisions, must speak, must act like, must take care of people, must do the things that Jesus did. And when you do, just like that coin flip bike ride, incredible adventures await you. Yeah, it'll, it'll be rough sometimes. It'll take you out of your comfort zone. It'll make you uncomfortable. Um, it'll, you'll be uneasy, but it will be the greatest and most wonderful adventure that you've ever been on in your life. So let me ask you this question. Are you willing to be open to God's will for your life? 
Like, are you really willing to be open to God's will for your life? Because I think on this journey that we're about to go through, this is where it all starts. The essence of this question was asked by Jesus to a young, professional, successful guy in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Now, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now, if you know this guy, you might see some of yourself in him in some ways. He was young, he was prosperous. Maybe you don't see the young part, but whatever, that's cool. I'm seeing that less and less every day. He was young, he was prosperous, he was successful at everything he did, he was morally upright, he was held in high esteem by his peers, he was a regular churchgoer, he tithed, um, he, he, he followed all the commandments of Moses, like he did all the things that he was supposed to do. He was that guy. He was that guy that people would point to and say, oh, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. He's a great example of what this is supposed to be like. So I kind of imagine this, this rich young ruler coming to Jesus and he's looking for a pat on the back. He's looking for a attaboy. He's looking for the, a, the affirmation that he got from everywhere else in his life. But Jesus' response to him didn't exactly give him that. Verse 17, Jesus says, if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Well, that's not exactly what I was hoping to hear. So, so he tries to pin Jesus down one more time. In verse 18, which ones? Jesus' reply was, was fairly conventional. He said in verse 19, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, now the guy in the scripture, he seems to be a little more pleased. Oh, well, I've done all of that. I do all of these things. So verse 20, all these I have kept, he asked. In other words, check it out, man. I do a good job. You can ask my rabbi. I'm doing all that stuff. You can check my Insta story. You can look at it. You can see my latest tweet. <clears throat> tweet. <laughs> Puberty has finally come. It's been so long. <clears throat> you can check all that stuff out. You'll see it. I've, I've got the bases covered. I've done all that stuff. Now, if it was me, I just would have stopped. Like I, just, I, just, I would have said, okay, cool, great. And I would have left. But not this guy. I mean, come on, man, you're a good man. Like, like, don't push it. Like, don't push any further. You could have shook Jesus' hand and said, hey, thank you, Rabbi, and you could have left. But he didn't do that. He decided to push a little further. And he said, in verse 20, what do I still lack? In other words, come on, Rabbi. I mean, give me something. Like, this, this is too easy. Like, give me, a, give me a rougher test. And Jesus nails him. Verse 21, one thing you lack, he told the self-righteous man, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Put yourself in this guy's shoes, right? Like you're standing there talking to Jesus. And, and you're thinking, I'm doing so good. I am doing really, really good. I got all this stuff nailed. He thinks everything is great. And Jesus says, go sell everything. Give it to the poor and then come follow me. Now he's got to be thinking, <laughs> you're kidding, right? Like that's not really what you mean. I mean, you want me to... You, I mean, it's like, it's metaphorical, right? Like metaphorically, like give up everything, right? That's what you're saying. It's the figurative. It's not literal. You don't mean literally sell everything and come and follow you, right? That's not what you want. I mean, I, I got responsibilities. I'm pretty important. I mean, I, I'm a pretty incredible guy. I got a lot going on over here. And so I got, a, I, got, I got a family. I got responsibility. I got things I got to do. Like I'm running a business. Like, you know, you know what? You know what? I got it. I get it. I understand. I'm just going to write a bigger check to the poor and that'll take care of all of it, right? Am I right? Am I right? got to be what this guy was thinking. Jesus' words still hang in the air. You lack one thing. Sell everything. Give it to the poor. Come and follow me. <laughs> it was devastating. 
What Jesus did was he looked into the man's soul and he could diagnose the condition of his heart. And he realized that stuff had become important to him. On the outside, this guy was doing all the right stuff. He was killing it. But on the inside, on the inside, his heart was divided. His possessions and his positions, they were competing for supremacy, for God's supremacy. They were competing with God. He hadn't sold out completely. He hadn't surrendered everything fully to the Lord. He hadn't given up. His status and his stuff had become idols. So probably the worst part of this whole story is the next line in verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He couldn't do it. At the moment of decision, at that moment, he couldn't give it all away. So he turns his back on Jesus and he walks away from him. And he said no to a more incredible life than he was living at the time. Much more incredible. So I want to ask you again. I'm asking myself today, are you really willing to be open to God's will for your life? Because what God expects from us is that we serve him on his terms and not on ours. You see it pretty clearly in Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Just like Jesus' encounter with that rich young ruler, Jesus is requiring, he's asking for absolute surrender from us. Absolute to live the life that we're talking about, to do what we're talking about here, to, to, to be on the journey that we're going to go on over the next several weeks. To be a disciple means forsaking everything to follow Jesus, giving up all, giving everything to follow him, putting our lives, our entire lives, completely on the altar, in his hands, surrendering everything. I think what happens is we like to say we want to be disciples. We like to say I want to give everything. We like to say, oh yeah, I'm surrendered. We love saying it. We love saying I'm a disciple of Jesus, but then we attach all these conditions. Oh yeah, Sundays. Sunday worked pretty good for me. I like Sundays, but I'm very busy the rest of the week. I got a lot to do. You know, salvation, that really works for me. Get out of hell free card. I love that thing. That's amazing. I'm really holding on to that. I don't really got time though to look after these other people. You know, the, the preacher man, the preacher man, he's all right. He's pretty good. He's kind of spastic, but I, but, I, but I like what he says some of the time. And so... So that's good, but, but, but to sit down on my own and, and read through the scripture, like to have my own devotional time, like to devote my heart to the Lord and word and prayer, and I mean, listen, I'm running a business. I've got to get up early. Look, you know, God, I'm going to need some stuff from you, all right? I saw, so I'm going to so pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you for things because I need them. But, you know, the, the other time, the, the worship time and, and all that stuff, I, I just, it's just really hard for me right now. Can you give me like, I don't know, three weeks and I'll be through this busy season and then I'll be able to get back to that part. Yeah, God, you can have all of me. Oh, God, I surrender all on Sunday morning while I'm singing this song at church. God, you can have everything that you want. <laughs> yeah, not that part. You can't have that part. I want to hold, I want to hold that. I'm not ready to give that habit. Here, God, take care. Uh, not this, not this. Because that, that relationship, I need it. Put all these conditions on our surrender. And Jesus refuses to accept our terms. He doesn't accept them. 
Jesus' terms are unconditional surrender. Mark chapter eight, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Those are some tough words, everybody. And lose your life. When he says lose your life, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. It doesn't happen by accident. It's not passive. It's not something that just comes to you one day. Sure, you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. It's not on your own. But you have to make the decision. It's a conscious decision. It's not passive. It's active. It's an action. And this is what Jesus is asking of one chapel, Kyle. Surrender is total. It's not partial. It's not pieces. It's everything. Jesus is not the add-on to your already wonderful life. Jesus is not the cherry on top of your life's Sunday. Yeah, but the cherry's the best part. You don't understand. That's just the be- I love that part. Everybody wants the cherry. Everybody loves that part. No, he's not that. He needs to be the entire thing. He's all of it. It's not easy. I think one of the problems that we run into is that we've often called people to believe rather than obey. We've just said, yeah, it's cool. Just come on and believe. But the fact of the matter is, if we, if we, we could say that believing in Jesus, if that was all that was required, then even the demons would be fantastic Christians. <laughs> James 2.19. It says, you believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Even the demons believe that, but they've got enough respect to, to shudder and to understand the great power that he has. So we'll read verses like Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's true, and it's the first part, and it's incredible. But the message of the New Testament isn't just Jesus as your Savior. It's Jesus as your Lord. Yeah. It's interesting to me that, the, that Savior, the word Savior appears through the New Testament 37 times. But the word Lord appears 7,736 times. <laughs> There's something that he's trying to say. But still, we use these passive words to invite people to him. We use passive words like, oh, will you accept Jesus? Will you receive Jesus into your heart? It's like Jesus got bad self-esteem or something. Like, will you just accept him? Will you just love him? Will you just receive him? And I get it, I get it. We're well-intentioned in all those things. I just want to call attention to this thing. That Jesus, he never, he never asked people to accept him. He commanded people to follow him. <laughs> he didn't say, will you receive me? He said, hey, follow me. I'm going to give you the best life that you ever had. Come follow me, lay it down, give it up, take up the cross, come with me. We just read it. To deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. What most of us do, though, is we take a cross that doesn't have any power. Oh, yeah, I'll pick up my cross. Great, yeah, got it. I'm ready to go, Jesus. <laughs> I got it, and I'm ready. Woo, boy, this is a heavy one. Am I right? I mean, it's tough carrying this thing around. I mean, my coworkers, you see me? You see this thing I'm carrying? Woo, real burden, real burden. And then it comes time to give something up and Jesus asks something of you and says, hey, I want you to give up that relationship. Oh, yeah, you know what, Lord, that's cool, but I, I really like that part and so I'm not really willing to give that up. So if it's cool, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna remove that part of the cross and I'll just carry this one because I can handle it. 
I want you to get off the habit of that, that addiction or that thing that's killing you. Uh, no, you know what, Lord? I, that's, I need that part. I just I, I need to get, to get through the work week, and you don't understand my wife and the marriage, and you don't get what's going on with me right now. So I just I need I need to keep that because it's going to give me strength. And we end up with this thing that has no power, no strength, no no real burden. It doesn't have the power to kill flesh. It doesn't have the power to do what needs to be done in our lives. It doesn't have any power to help us really surrender. But the true cross of Jesus, the true wooden one that he died on, this one has power, authority to help you get rid of it, to help you kill it, to help you surrender everything, to help you give everything up if you'll just embrace it, if you'll just receive it, if you'll stop just picking and choosing the pieces of the relationship and the pieces of the authority and the pieces of the cross that you want to carry. And you accept the real one, his cross, and you let it kill you only to experience resurrection life afterwards. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Think about what the people were hearing when he said this. It was like saying, pick up your electric chair, sit down in it, strap wheels on it, and roll around. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. And then that thing comes up, and that habit happens, and that thing goes wrong. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to have that. Okay. All right. Killed that thing. I'm done. Help me, Jesus. Right, that inappropriate relationship that's going on, it's kind of starting at work. I'm not going to have it. Yeah! Okay, got it. Got it. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. This is in effect what he was saying. Die. Die to that stuff. Surrender it all. Follow me. No more cardboard crosses for us. But we all got them. We all got these things. We got these things that we don't want to give up. We got these things like, like have you seen The Lord of the Rings? big Lord of the Rings fan. I, I really enjoyed the books and, and when we, the movies would come out I, I had a youth group on that night so I'd make my wife go and save seats. It was terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. <laughs> She's fighting people. <laughs> like, it's my seat. <laughs> but in the movie, there's the ring of power and the ring comes to Frodo and Frodo, he's strong. He's a hobbit. He's got big feet and hairy and he's, he's, gonna, he's the one. He can carry it. He can take it to destroy it because if he doesn't destroy it, evil is going to rule everything. And so he's going to take it with him, and so, but, but, but still, even Frodo, even as strong as he was, still the, 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 the ring begins to creep in. The deceit of the ring, the power of the ring begins to creep in, and he can't let it go. There's a quote in the beginning of the movie, in the book, and Gandalf, Gandalf comes to Frodo and he says, hey, uh, try, said Gandalf, try now, try to give it up. Frodo, he drew the ring out of his pocket again, and he looked at it, the gold, it looked fair and pure, and Frodo thought, how rich and how beautiful was its color, how perfect was its roundness. It was an admirable thing, and altogether, impressed. <laughs> when he took it out, he had intended to fling it from him into the very hottest part of the fire, but he found out now that he could not do so, not without a great struggle. He weighed the ring in his hand, hesitating and forcing himself to remember all that Gandalf had told him. And then with an effort of will, he made a movement as if to cast it away, but he found that he had put it back in his pocket. Gandalf laughed grimly. You see, this is exactly how it was with the rich young ruler. This is exactly what was happening. He'd become so attached to his identity, so attached to the idols, so attached to his status, to the point where Jesus asked him, let it go. He said, give it all away. Give everything to the poor. And he couldn't. He couldn't do it. What is it for you? What is your presence? What is it? What is that thing that you can't let go? That thing that you try to throw away into the fire and you find that you've just kept it with you again?
What is the thing? Because I think what's happening today is Jesus is asking you to give it up. You guys come on back up. He's asking you to give up your career, your habits, your lifestyle, the relationships, to surrender it all, to give everything away. Why don't you close your eyes? It's not the same for us. It's different for each one of us. But when Jesus comes to you and he says, I want you to go and... I want you to do this. It's easier said than done. I said last week that this is going to be a journey for us. And I think it's going to be a journey because we have made the gospel so much about us. We become so consumed with us. It's going to be a journey because we forgot the bigger picture. We've become so comfortable in our own little world, in our own stuff. I'm, just, I'm confessing to you. I know that this is true of me. We've forgotten there's this whole bigger world, the kingdom of God, that God is after, seeing it break out in our lives and in our city and in this world. And I don't know exactly what God has in store. I don't know where we're going. I don't have any, any big outreach programs after this. Because what I'm praying is that it will come out of you. That God will do something in your heart to stir you forward and to let ministry and to let this thing, this passion for the kingdom, this heart for the marginalized and the oppressed and the down and out and the poor, that it'll come out of me and that it'll come out of you. Not on a Saturday where we all wear t-shirts, but it just becomes us. And we're constantly telling stories of what Jesus is doing and how the kingdom of God is breaking out. But I think the first step to this is all out, all in, total surrender. Giving up the ring. Giving up the status. Giving up the identity. Giving up the thing, whatever it might be. And saying no to it. And allowing the cross of Jesus to crucify it, to kill our flesh and bring resurrection life. That's what we're going to do today. Jesus do this in us today because the moment he says hey go and you know exactly what it is that's going to prevent you from going it brings it to the forefront oh I can't do what he said because I've got this so I'm praying Holy Spirit show each one of us individually what is it what is that thing where is it what is it would you call it to our attention would you shine your Holy Spirit searchlight on us right now Help each one of us to, to identify and recognize those points, those positions, those things that you want us to surrender. I want to go on this journey with you, so I pray that you would do a work in us, that we could take these things and we could lay them down at the altar and we could see them die so that your life can come alive inside of us. We're going to receive communion here and we're going to participate with the cross of Jesus. We're going to allow him to do this work in us. So these guys are going to pass it while we're singing this song. And as we do that, would you take the elements, would you hold them and wait, and we'll do it all together at the end. But as you're doing that, let him speak to you and begin the work of surrender. And as you hold the blood in your hand and you hold the body in your hand, let it do its worst. Let's receive this together in Jesus' name.
so if the Holy Spirit has awakened something in you today, I just want to ask you to let him help you surrender it. And let him help you by applying the power of his sacrifice, of his cross, to your life. So all over the room, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray it loud, out loud, and I want you to mean it from your heart. And everybody just pray together, regardless of where you are. Would you pray this prayer with us? So, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've held back. I'm sorry that I've kept these parts of myself. Today, I want to give you everything. Today, I believe in you. I believe in your life. I believe in your power. I believe in your death and resurrection. I believe in your kingdom. And I want to be a part of it. So in Jesus' name, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my all to you. I give up control. You're in charge. Take everything. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me brand new. And set me on a path that you've outlined for me. I give you everything. I repent of my old life. I receive your new life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your surrender. Thank you that you've given everything to us. We hold in our hands the elements of that surrender. The bread which symbolizes his body that was broken for us and the cup that symbolizes the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. And today we get to receive both of those. So would you, as you receive it today, would you let your faith rise? And let these elements and let the Spirit of God through these elements do His work in you. Let's receive the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Receive your body broken for us. Thank you that it's by your stripes that you receive that we're healed. We receive that in Jesus' name. Let's receive the cup together. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for forgiveness of sin. Thank you for power to live the lives you've called us to. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Now would you apply your finished work to us. Help us to become the people of God doing the things that you've called us to do, participating with you in your kingdom and the renewal of this world. I love you and we thank you for all of these things and it's in Jesus' name that we pray and everybody said, amen. Thanks for coming to worship with us today. If you made any kind of important decision today, I want to ask you if you'd take that gray card that's in your cup holders and just fill it out. It's a response card says, I have decided, just let us know about it because we'd love to send you an email and maybe just help you and talk with you through email or text about next steps, all right? There's three ways that we give around here. We believe that giving is a big part of our worship and so we do that online at onechapel.com, click giving. We've got an app called PushPay or in the offering boxes right over there. Don't forget those Team One cards. We've got 19 slots. It'd be really rad to fill those today. Um, and then these guys are down here because they just want to pray with you. So... It's worth the journey down. Would you come and let them pray with you? And then finally, um, you're going to get some 
movie night cards on your way out. They're going to hand them to you. Would you take a little stack and invite some people this week? Let's have a really cool time and take our first step towards reaching out to our community next week. Cool? Let's pray this prayer over one another. Um, Look at the neighbor around you and pray this prayer as we go today. Say it with me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everybody. Have a great Sunday. God bless you.